Hey, On The Clock fans, you're listening to another episode with your host Raul Lascano and tackle all of today's hot topics in sports news, trends, current issues happening locally and nationally, as well as highlighting some of our local student athletes across the Sunshine State. Now, welcome your host, Raul Lascano. You're on the clock. What's going on, the clock fans? How are you guys doing? I got a special episode, man. I got something that I've been wanting to do for a very, very, very long time. I want to have my very own coaches roundtable, and I got some of the best coaches around to go ahead and talk to. Some of them I've been coaching with, some of them I grew up with, uh, some of my coached against who nicely beat the crap out of me in a couple games, but it's very nice to to have everybody on here, man. I'm going to let everybody introduce themselves. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, man, whenever you like to. Start with Anthony. Go ahead, man. Hello, my name is Anthony Giddens. I'm a head coach here at Lake Mary Pop Warner. We are located just 20 miles north of uh, Orlando on the east side of Florida. We are uh, located in Lake Mary, Florida. We have a Pop Warner organization that we go, we are the only traditional team here in uh, Central Florida. We have won two national titles in 2019 and 2020. We also have uh, 14 mid Florida championships, as you can see right there's one. Uh, but I am the head coach of the junior Pee Wee team here in Lake Mary, Florida. Perfect, man. Courtney, what's going on, man? You're on the mic. Yes, sir. What's going on, Courtney Little, originally from Clinton, South Carolina, a little small town, upstate South Carolina. Uh, I've been coaching uh, youth football for about five, six years. Uh, I currently coach at the East Bay Bucks right here in uh, Riverview, Florida, right outside of Tampa. Uh, I played a little college football in Pikeville, Kentucky, a small NAIA school before I joined the Army. Oh, that's beautiful. The yeah. only bad part of that whole intro was you're wearing a Panther shirt. But other than that, other than that, I understand you're repping the home state, so I get it. Bro. I get it, man. Keep, keep, keep pounding, baby. Keep pounding. <laughs> hey, Josh, what's going on, sir? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate the opportunity. My name is Josh Shamara, uh, currently an offensive line coach. I'm offensive coach at Pinellas Park High School. Served as director of football operations at Tampa Catholic, offensive coach there, uh, defense coordinator at Dixie. Eight years high school, six years little league, five years pro development um, in the adult aspect. Uh, four championship appearances with two titles um, back to back. So just, uh, just love the coaching world, love being around the game. That's perfect, man. Perfect. And the guy that uh, I've been, that doesn't need an introduction. He's not last. He's, He's one of the best guys I've known since he was a kid, since we were kids. I have Nefi Moffitt, FSU's very own Nefi Moffitt. Man, what's good, man? How are you? I'm all right, man. How y'all doing, man? I'm Nefi Moffitt, man. <laughs> I'm currently coaching at Palm Bay High School. Um, I've been coaching at high school for probably the last 10 years. Yeah, 10 years between the last four high schools. Defensive coordinator, D-line, um, assistant O-line. I've, I've done it all. Uh, just a coach's coach, basketball, football, and track as well. So, you know, I do it all. That's what's up, man. And Nefi, man, just like, you know, Courtney had a, had a, had a shirt violation, I understand you got to put FSU up there, man. I'm not, I'm not even going to hate on it. I'm, you know, I know that's your alma mater, so I'm going to leave it alone. It, it's, a, it's not a party found there. I'm not even going to delete it off the video. You're going to be you'll be just fine, big dog. Uh, but I want to ask you, man, I'll start with you, man, with, with Palm Bay High School, man. Has it changed over the last 10 years as far as when we went to school uh, going there? Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. Um, the football, we, we went to a school with the football culture. Yeah. Uh, you know, before Painting Face was popular, 
and you can see it on social media. People come to school with painted faces, different numbers. You know, we wore our jerseys with pride and shared it. Um, football is really not that big here anymore. It's not a preference mm. where, hey, football first thing in the morning. You never had to worry about anybody being tardy ever. We got, we got film first thing in the morning. So doing that, 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 that's different, man. Now, you know, we got kids who don't have football class, uh, kids who, you know, they're just, they're just out here to play. Um, they enjoy being around the other guys, not so much as winning. And the coaching culture has went down a lot where, you know, we had coaches, coaches, mm-hmm. coaches, coaches, where now, you know, it was, we had a lot of people who just not coaches. Yeah. You know, at any given point, anybody can run the show. As a matter of fact, I think everybody on the staff and where is that ended up being a head coach at some point or another. Mm. And we just don't show that depth of coaches anymore. Yeah, man. And, and you know what? It's funny you say that, man, because you just hit on the head and going into our first uh, discussion, man, even from youth football to high school or whatever the case may be, anybody can touch on this uh, and anybody can raise their hand on it if you like. It has been a significant drop in, I don't know, I guess exposure, I guess is what it's called nowadays, right? It has been a significant drop in coaching. It's been a significant drop in the type of players you're getting. It's been a significant drop in the type of support you get. It's been kind of crazy in seeing that transition. Any one of you guys can can jump in, but have you guys seen at any level from the from the youth league to high school league, um, have you guys noticed on your end that, Man, this was not like what it was. And, and again, I hate to sound old. You know what I mean? Like, that's the part that where I don't want to sound. I don't want to sound like, well, back in my day, you know, the, you know, I don't want to sound like that. But it has changed quickly here in the last 10 to 12 years of, of football, man, and the type of players you're getting in coaching. Have you guys seen that on your levels as well? Yeah, so I think uh, I'll go first. Yeah, go ahead. Go. I'm a young cat, right? So I think I'm the youngest dude on this call. So, uh my perspective, I think, is slightly different than your guys' perspective. But also, I could say in the last – in my coaching career in the last eight years, just high school, little league, all the way up to the pro development level, there's two things that are missing. And and one of it is the standard to outwork someone, right? Like, growing up, even as a young cat, my coach, his standard wasn't how do you look. His standard wasn't – are we winning games? His standard wasn't, are we the next state title? Or the, his standard wasn't, who's transferring? His standard was, are you outworking the guy in front of you, the guy behind you, and your opponent on Friday? Um, with that has come uh, a transition, and I know at some point on the show we're going to talk about it a lot, is that social media aspect where it's like, well, if it don't look good, you mm. know what I mean? If it don't feel good then if I'm not getting a like, suppose, then, I mean, why would I do that, you know? And why would I push myself? I'm not getting scholarships, or I'm not getting this, or we don't win a lot of games. Whereas when I played, and I'm sure when you guys played, well, you got practice, we playing football. Yeah. You got help, shoulder pads on, we hitting just like everybody else hit. Like Friday nights, we got a game. Saturdays, we got a game. And I think, I think what has happened is not only just that social media aspect, but that standard of, we're here to outwork people has been lost. And we see that not just in sports. We see that in general, like even today, what we're dealing with. So in the sports world, cash don't want to work no more, man. And that's a shame, though. Like, that that's where – that's 
can, do we blame the parents? Like, I know this is going to sound crazy. You know what? And I'm, I'm going to let the other guys, before I even jump into that, because that you hit on a couple subjects that just popped up in there. But I'll let the other gentlemen jump in there as well as Courtney and, and Anthony. You guys let me know what, what you guys think and, and, and tell me, have you seen a significant drop off at the levels that you coach as well? So I, I think the biggest difference from you know, our time and time now is the why factor. Why do you play? Why do I want to play football? Back when I played it, when I played football, I played it because I loved the game. And I took pride in playing for my hometown team. I took pride of being a football player in my school. I think that that sense of pride doesn't exist with a lot of kids no more. I've been to football, high school football games in Tampa. The energy is not the same as it is back when I was there. You know what I'm saying? People are at the game, but it's not exciting as if like people are like, but they're not watching the game. It's like everybody in the crowd is on their phone. So the passion, the love, the energy from football to me isn't the same as it was back when I was younger. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like kids are just so distracted with so many other things that they have lost the true why I play the game factor. You know what I'm saying? They don't have that why. That's true, and, and that makes perfect sense. Anthony, what do you think, man? Have you seen a drop-off from where you've been coaching at at your level as well? Hold on one second. I think you're muted there, bub. There you go. We hey, good? Yeah, you're good, boss. Yeah, to uh, Courtney's point, you know, you, you see these kids that come in, and it doesn't matter how many kids you have on your team. Say you have 30 on your team. You're going to have five that are there because their parents signed them up. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You can be at 8U. You can be at 14U. There's going to be parents out there. There's going to be that dad out there that never really made it. He didn't make it past middle school. He didn't make it past high school. You know, he definitely didn't make it into college, you know, but he wants his kid to play football, you know, and, and, and here they are pushing them, putting them in this sport where, and, you know, we can all be honest with each other. We could talk about safety. We could talk about uh, programs and we could talk about heads up USA all we want to. But if your kid is not starting at a young age, they're not developing what they need to be at an at a older age. So then you get these kids that come in at 10, 12 years old, and then they get their clock cleaned, unfortunately, by some kid that's been playing five, six years, even though he's 11 years old and he's 50 pounds lighter than you, then you quit. Yeah. And you quit day one. You quit day two. You quit day three. So then that drop-off is from there. So unfortunately, you're seeing a – a, a big drop off from parents that are pushing their kids to come in or moms that have been keeping their kids out since day one, even though they allow them to play flag soccer, any contact or any non-contact sport without pads on that they're getting injured on, but they're allowing them to come in at 10, 11, 12 years old. And they are not developed enough to play with these kids that have been playing for five or six years. So then they're getting injured or they're not into it. So there, to me, is the drop-off. So, and that goes, to what, that goes back to what Nefi was saying as far as we didn't have coaches coaching anymore. You know what right. I'm saying? We, we don't have the coaches coaching. And you don't have – to be honest, man, and, and, I, and I know everybody has their teams and nobody wants to say – but I, I'm not going to coach football this year, so I'm not worried about it. I'm coaching at the high school level, so I'm good. But I'm, I'm going to say what I got to say. Parents ain't shit no more. Parents used to be – they used to be able to hold up to the standards of what Coach Josh was talking about. 
parents ain't shit no more, man. It's a shame that, you know, we're more and more about a drip or a fake top 100 listing of ranking of children than we are about the actual work ethic of it. You know what I'm saying? And you see the parents that work with their kids. You know what I'm saying? They're putting in work and they're doing their thing. And that's beautiful. But I also seen parents take it too far. I've seen parents get upset about a ranking system of a child and then go over to the apartment complex to fight this parent because that child's ranked higher than their child. You know what I'm saying? Like it's insane yeah. to me the, what 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 we've seen. And I, I I personally I blame our generational of parents. I blame the parents as far as hey man, you need to hold them to a standard because you, you're right. Social these kids these days are fighting a lot, right? They're fighting social media. Right, how to be cool in social media. They're fighting that wanna be coach cool kind of guy who wants to be, you know, on social media talking all this trash and doing all and we're not coaching these kids or trying to get them out because the goal isn't to win games, it's to get them out there. Go go ahead, Josh. I see your hand up. Go ahead. The other thing is too, just to piggyback off of that and what, what coach uh coach Anthony was saying is bro, the other thing that's missing is too is the respect from the community and the and the parents. To the coaches, like I'm a coach, like validate my time, respect my time. I'm not just some some random cat out here who got off the couch and they was like, oh, let me go coach. Like, <laughs> there's a reason why your son's not a running back. Like, he can't hold the ball. Like, there's a reason he doesn't play receiver because he can't catch. Like, he doesn't play quarterback because he can't throw. Like, it's just very simple. Like, it's not hard. Like, but I think the other aspect is understanding, like, Back in the day, unless your coach did something to you that was foul or off the wall, your parents didn't really get involved. Yeah. Hey, coach said you need to run more. Coach said you need to lift weights. Coach said you need to catch the ball. Coach said you need to work on your snapping. And they would they would reinforce what coaches asked them to do. Now you go to a parent and you're like, look, you know, your son, he, he, he steps left really well, but he needs to work on stepping right. That's what's missing. Well, my son steps right all the time. I see him like, oh, man, like, yo, like, why are you beefing with me? I'm trying to make him better. Like, Coach, I, I've, had, I've, had a, I've had a parent tell me I moved a kid from right guard to left guard, right? Uh, just because we, uh, uh, one of my – the actual right guard that was with me, he got a D on his report, progress report card. And what I used to do is I used to give these kids out their progress reports. If they brought it back to me and you had a C or a lower, you weren't playing that game. So And I, that's the standard I held. And I had my parents' meeting. I told them what I was going to do. I told them, hey, you're not, if I get these grades, I'm not letting your kid play. And I love to win. Don't get me wrong. Courtney, I, Courtney and Anthony, we, they've coached with me. They know I love to win. I want to play to win the game. But I'm not going to sacrifice my character for it. And if you come with me with a C or D, then you can't play. So I, I, the parent understood, and they, they, they valued that. So I moved the kid from right guard to left guard. I had a parent tell me, hey, man, he can't step with his right foot. He can only step, or he can't step with his left foot. He only steps to the right. I said, are you kidding me? Like, no, he's going to play here. We're going to coach him up and he'll be fine. No, no, no. My son only plays right guard. See, that's what he played two years ago on this team with coach so-and-so who told him this and that. That's what he wants to play. And, that's, and you're like, look, man, I don't give a damn what coach so-and-so said about your son playing wherever. I'm going to put him here. I can coach him up and I can teach him a different spot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're right. The parents don't get involved like that because it's not meant to make. Now, unless I slap this kid across the helmet, yeah, get involved. Because I move him two positions, you're right. Co parents get too much involved. Anthony, go ahead. I saw your hand up, man. No, it, it, you're right. I mean, uh, to someone's point that, that they kind of brought up with the, you know, the top, the fake 100, the top, fake top 100 or whatever, you know. I love uh, 
Alan. I love the guys that run R&R. I love the guys that do these uh, rankings or whatever. They're doing a great job. What they're doing is bringing something to the forefront that we didn't have as kids. They're doing something that is fun for them, right? But what we have to realize, well, I think we realize it, but what the parents have to realize is it's it's fake. It's for fun. It's just for fun. It's just for fun. fun. That's it. It's for fun. So you tell me, you tell me, and we can bring any coach in the whole entire world in, when you saw a 6U kid be ranked in the top 100 that went to the NFL. You know, we'll wait. We'll wait. Go ahead. Tell me one. You can't. Because why? Because they're 6U. Like, my, you know, I got two kids of my own. You know, one's 7, one's 11. My seven-year-old was a great offensive lineman. He's never played football before, but he never let anybody tackle anybody behind him. Do, do I think he should be ranked in the top 100? Uh, no. <laughs> what is a top 100? But if you give them the ranking, well, I'm going to do what every parent does, and I'm going to hashtag it. I'm going to post it. I'm going to put yeah. it here, put it there. And it's fun. It's exciting. It's in their seven-year-old mind. Great. Yeah. But as parents, can we please stop fighting over social media about where they're ranked? Bitch, it's fucking fake. <laughs> it's completely fake. Now it, we have, fake. and like, I'm not taking, coaches, I'm not taking shots of parents that have their kids. kids. In the top 100 as a coach, I would promote that. I bet. Yeah, right. Three kids in top 100. But at the end of the day, when they come to practice. I'm whispering in their ear, motherfucker, you ain't shit. <laughs> we got to work. We got to work. Nothing. And again, I'm not taking shots at kids that got ranked. I'm not taking shots at any kids that got and ranked. I'm not either. And I, please, I, like I said, all those guys that do it, I support them 100. I donate, right. donate to them. I support them everywhere they go. I see them. I love them. I give them hugs, dabs, whatever. It's completely respectful. Right. Do- this is more of a, on the parent level because because Courtney Courtney's and I, I see your hand up, Nephew. I'm gonna get you. Courtney's son has been ranked in that in the top 100s, right? But Courtney yeah. is not deserved, the, by the way. And he he just well, yeah. If there's gonna be a real ranking of top 100, his son definitely has to be in there. But what I'm yeah. saying is Courtney understands that. You know what I'm saying? Like Courtney understands. No, 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 this is great. This is fun. I love my son. Courtney understands that his son will be playing on Saturdays and Sundays one day. He can see it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody yeah. can see it, and we understand that. But again, he doesn't take it to the head where he's going to go fight some. If somebody was above his son, he's not going to go fight some guy to go do this. Right. Yeah, I take it. I take it with a grain of salt because right. at the end of the day, this is a marathon. You know what I'm saying? This doesn't it happen. Is a true marathon. Them loving Zion at the age of eight doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be that same kid and when he's 15 year old sophomore. You know what I'm saying? So any person who looks at it uh, how they should, they should know that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Neefy, go ahead, man. I, I see your hand up there for a minute. Go ahead. I think, man, that the coaching has changed. Um, coaches try to cater. I think about Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight will make it in the summer. He's arguably one of the best coaches ever. Um, the coaching has changed, and coaches try to cater. You know, the kids are still going to be the kids. They got the same kind of kids we had, that we were. You got some kids who are going to sit in the back and joke the whole time. And if you don't make me go in there, I'm not going in there. But the difference was, coaches, hey, get in there. Hey, stop playing. Go in there. You went in the X rep. Coaches don't do that anymore because coaches don't want to hit the parents. So a coach would compromise the integrity of the game and the integrity of coaching 
to appease a parent when they know the path of your child is destruction. They're, they come to practice not working hard and expecting something for nothing. If coaches, if coaches stop doing that, our game will still be good. Because I promise you, if you look at all the good teams on every level, their coaches do it. Well, and so, Nifi, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Right, I'm sorry. No, yeah. no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So, Nifi, right quick, when you say that, and, and I completely respect that, you got kids sitting on the back, you know, you, you've been coaching all week. You know, you're going, especially, well, at least in my league, we got uh, minimum play requirements. I know other uh, leagues don't have minimum play requirements or whatever, but let's say you got a couple kids in the back, you got them in their plays. Uh, and the way that we do it is a whole different uh, subject we can talk about later, but the you got a couple kids in the back, it's into the second quarter. They got their minimum play requirements. They're sitting on the bench. You know, you call their name. They don't come up. What's your response in that situation? Because I know my response in that situation. But like you said, you want to keep bringing them in the game and, you know, kind of keep pushing them in there or whatever as a, you know, as a former D1 uh, collegiate athlete. What's, what's your thought on that? Well, I've never – I never paid – I never coached football where you had to pay. It was only high school, so there's no play re- play requirements or anything like that. But with a kid like that, I'm a firm believer in, hey, look, the path on what you're doing is not going to set. So if you don't want to be in there, I don't want you in there. We'll take your money. We'll get you two-play minimum. But if you don't want to be in there, I don't want you in there because it's somebody who wants to be in there. So if we coach the kids so we're looking for coaching, kids automatically are going to fall in line with discipline. And if we, if the coaching, if the culture of the team in the situation is, hey, this is what's moving, the kids will fall in line to play or transfer somewhere else where they can be undisciplined. Well, and here, here's a here's a double edged sword, right? Because I, I'm a, I'm a believer in. That's my fault. So I, I'm, I need you. I hear what you're saying, and, and you know what? That's that's valid, right? Uh, if you're not going to want to come play, you don't, you know, you don't have to play. Me personally, if there's a play rule, five play play rule, we have them here in in Tampa. Well, in the league that I'm in, they have a a five minimum play rule, whatever the case may be, right? I actually love that rule. I'm not going to lie to you. I actually like that rule for me because I know there's kids that are not as talented as other kids, okay? I understand that. I also understand that there's coaches out here, and I'm going to be the first one to say it. I know I'm, I'm already mostly hated around here, so I don't even care. There's some sorry-ass coaches around here that won't play a kid Strictly on because they call him these words like Timmy, right? They don't want to play him. They don't want to put him out there. They don't want to see him. They're gonna. They're not even gonna put this kid on here. You know what I'm saying? It's not gonna happen. But for me, if you're in little league now, again, this is eight to like maybe ten. Eight to ten, I'm gonna play you. I don't care if you're not a, a if you're not that good. It does. It serves purposes for a couple reasons. One, your parent needs to see what's going on. That's what needs to happen. If your parents come into practice every single practice and they're seeing, you know, what everybody else is seeing, they're going to understand why your son's getting five plays or why what's going on. You know what I mean? I'm going to try my best to get him more plays, but he's going to play. I don't care if he wants to or not. You're going to go play in that football game. You're going to be put in that fire. The reason being is because you have to understand and your parents have to understand, hey, man, maybe tennis is better for you. Maybe going to do art school, maybe becoming an auto mechanic, maybe doing anything other than this activity would be better for you. It's not my I'm not the person assistant says, yes, he can play at high school. I don't make that judgment or pass. My job as a, as a youth coach was to play players, kids and let them have fun. Like we've gotten away from just the word fun. We talked about it before we got on, right? 
I found this new love for baseball. I used to, I played one league, one time, one season actually as a, as a kid and I played once in high school and then that was it. I was done. I didn't want to play no more. But I found this love for baseball because it is completely different than what football is for youth football and what it is for high school football. It is a complete 180. It is not even the same atmosphere. Baseball is a lot calmer. I mean, there's still, don't get me wrong, there's still going to be arguments and fights. But I'm going to say it like Josh was saying earlier. I don't smell the weed smoke all over the place, all over the park. You know what I'm saying? There's no music being played when you walk in. There's no big 30 or 40 freaking uh, teammates or bar two teams in the middle trying to start some kind of riffraff or whatever the case is. And we're going to make some video of it and post it everywhere of the greatest robbery that ever happened on Facebook. And everybody thinks they're Facebook celebrities. Um, but coaching has gone down. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we do we blame... I don't know who to freaking blame on, on the coaching level. Do we not have enough classes? Because you can get classes anywhere. Hey, listen, I, I think some of it is the quality of coaching that people are letting get in those positions. You know what right. I'm saying? We're letting some of the wrong guys have the responsibility of providing that purpose, that direction for these young kids that haven't got much purpose and direction for themselves. You get what I'm saying? So – as organization, high school, college, whatever, you got to make sure you're getting a quality person. I'm not saying you can't have a person that had a rough past, um, but you need to make sure that the person is, you know, ready to develop and be a positive image for these kids. You know what I'm but saying? No, but no, but coach, what what organization does? Because you've seen it just like I've seen, Courtney. There's been like 40, and I don't mean to interrupt you, I apologize, but there's been like 40 yeah, right. organizations that let these, these co bro, be honest with you. Come on, Courtney. Let, let's be honest. You you coached yes, in TYFL with me. Yes, you have seen across that, that sideline, or down the same sideline, actually. Mm -hmm. You've seen mm -hmm. down the same sideline, these coaches with wearing, and again, everybody's going to be upset with me, but again, you have to you have to walk the walk and talk the talk if you're going to be a coach mm -hmm. to the youth. You right. see the coaches with blunts in their fucking mouth walking up to the game. You mm -hmm. see uh, uh, pants hanging all the way down their ass, showing draws mm -hmm. and all, yes. coaching in sandals, okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> and flip-flops. You I know what I'm saying? It's a pet peeve of mine. It's I a pet peeve of mine, too. I, you know, come on, respect the position, you know what I mean? So, you know, at least yeah. do a little Tom Landry, wear a hat or something. But you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, do, do respect it to the point. But you let all these, these, these dudes get in here, and then we talk about leadership. But, How are we going to lead them? Yeah. Right, so I just have my son, right? So, like, my son's nine months or ten months old now. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's totally different. I know y'all dads, so y'all feel my joy, right? <laughs> Team boy, right? Exactly. Congratulations, but, brother. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. But check me out. Every, I'm a, every coach ain't going to ever coach my son. Understand what I'm saying. If you the blunt coach, you're not coaching my son. If you don't respect the game, you're not coaching my son. Here's my biggest issue. The organization, the coaches, the rest, everybody want to blame someone else. The biggest blessing I had in my whole life is I had both my parents in the same household and they cared about me, right? I'm super grateful for that. Right. Everybody get to have that. And I know that that's a blessing because of my culture, especially, you know, in the brown and black culture, that doesn't always happen. But understand this, if you want the best for your kid, right, you want your kid to be on the stack team, you want your kid to get offers from high schools and get recruited, you want your kid to make the top 100, you want the kid to be recruited in 8U, 9U to Clemson, whatever, but you won't even judge the coach that's coaching him. Right. So right. on me, 
my perspective, at what point does a parent take a step and be like, yo, what's this jabroni doing over here with the blunt in his hand and the flip flops and the ghetto Crocs? Like, not even the real Crocs. Like, the yeah. bootlegged. <laughs> like, like, I'm keeping it real, bro. Like, he bought the shelf at Payless, right? Yeah, you know, for... All these types of different coaches you got who can't even win a Madden game. And then you tell them certain stuff and they get offended like, oh, I've won some championships with a stacked team. I'm going to give a perfect example. You can move, I'm going to give back to you, Raul, but, bro, you were there two springs ago when I had nobody. Yeah. My coaching staff had nobody. We had a 12-U team with 16 kids, and of those 16, nine of them were 10 and 11. They weren't even 12. We only had, like, four kids who had ever played before. We go against a team who was undefeated and unscored on, and in the first half, in the first quarter, we go down and score on them. You should have seen their sideline. Raul was there. Like, the yeah. coaches are cussing each other out, fighting simply because what? The whole time, they were used to just relying on their athletes. At what point do you as a parent say, hey, yo, like, is this coach really the best for my son? Well, just coach Josh, really they're not going to make that call because you know why? They're doused with drip. They're doused with these, oh, look at the uniforms we got. Look at the six uniforms we're dealing with. Oh, look, we can get on, we, or we got teams telling, we got coaches or organizations saying, I can get your kid into Berkeley prep. You know, we got bullshit coming out sideways because why? You know what I'm saying? This is what they do because the parents are easily manipulated, man. And it goes back to everything you're talking about. We don't work hard. They don't want to do any of that stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? We, and again, what I can't stand is I used to watch, and I used to be this idiot. I used to be in these Facebook groups with football groups, and I used to watch coaches that I used to respect and, and, and talk to. They firing up blunts and shit, man, and they smoking and, and stuff. And their kids, and people are like, no, there's no kids in these groups. Hey, bro, you don't think that gets leaked out? You don't think people share that shit? You don't think they're but showing it? If you want to yeah. fire up, fire up. Fire up behind the scenes. If your parents, if your parents aren't, and I don't want to take up the spot, but like if the parents aren't getting involved and doing nothing, then you look at the organization, and I don't know how it's ran in some other places, and I'm little leagued out, and I'm young, so that's crazy. I'm like done with little league. Me too. Me too, man. Come up later in the talk, but bro, how many organizations you got people running the organization that don't even know football? Yep. And that I, part. I, I just, or Tom, how can they judge whether a coach is qualified or not to be a head coach and they don't know football themselves? So I think it comes down to multiple things that you guys are talking about, right? So if you back it all the way up, exactly what you're saying is number one, it starts with the college culture and the way that the college culture has already changed from two to three years ago. And now everyone in their brother can just go into the transfer portal. So now they're watching these kids and they got no loyalty to what their brand is. And, and, you know, my brand is, is number two, Deion Sanders, high step. And first time he touched a pump return, taking it to the house, FSU do I'm done. This is my school. That's where I'm going. I don't care where I go. My loyalty is there. My wife went there. We paid all whatever, but then you got a kid like, you know, uh, any, any, any kid uh, up in there who goes there, he's in one college one year, he puts, his, he puts his name in the transfer portal the next year, then he's with a different college the next year. So these college or these high school kids or these, these uh, you know, youth football kids are seeing this and they have no loyalty either. So now they're looking at you like, I got no loyalty to you because this year I'm playing for Lake Mary. But the second that I don't like what you say to me, and you're not giving me the ball 32 times a game, 
even though you got six running backs, then I'm going to tell my mom that and my mom is going to put my name into the Seminole transfer. And then I'm going to go to Seminole and I'm going to play for them next year. That's already embedded in them. So now they're looking at what high school can I go to? Who's going to treat me the right way or who the right way in their mind, you mm-hmm. know, not go to, Hey, this is the high school that I was, you know, led into. There's two running backs in front of me. I'm going to learn from older kids. I'm going to get better and better and better. And then when it's my time to shine, I'm going to shine and I'm going to get my offers. They're more worried about how many times can I transfer to show my skills? Well, let me tell you something. Nick Saban ain't looking at how many times uh, or how good your skills are. He's looking at how many times you transfer. You transfer three, four times. He don't want you. You know, oh, I agree. So you're talking about, and that goes into the next subject. To what I was going to talk about was recruiting, because this this is why we 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 got to deal with recruiters and recruitment and and gas cards and all kinds of bull, even at the high school level. Because you guys are going to laugh when I say this, man. I blame I blame a couple people for for what's going on all the way down to youth sports because it happened in high school, it happens in college. I blame the NBA. And I blame Daryl Revis. You guys are going to laugh at me when I say, I say those two things. I blame, when I, and I say that because the NBA controls the whole thing. They control the whole shebang. They control everything. More than, more than football does. More than the players of football in the NFL control their contracts and their fates. NBA control themselves. And everybody you know, can see that. I also Daryl Revis because why? Daryl Revis will play for one team for one year, get his guaranteed contract, and he's bouncing to another team to get his guaranteed contract and bounce again yeah. and play again. Well, parents figured out, like, you know what? I might as well bounce around, too, and do what I got to do. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with a kid leaving a situation where it's not good coaching and you want to go somewhere else. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't, I don't. But what I do have a problem is if you do play for the University of Florida and, you know, and I, let, me, let me be careful. I say this. If you play for a, a college team and you look like you're not going to start, and you could go to another college team to play. I understand that point of view. I understand that. You know what I'm saying? I get that. What I don't get is high school level, okay? And the reason why I say that is because if you're a starter at a high school, jumping to another high school to start somewhere else makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. Because there hasn't been one recruiter that has asked me, what was your record? How many, t- how many games did he win? How many touchdowns did he score? They never asked me. They've asked me, What's his GPA? What's his tra- let me see his transcripts, all that stuff. Courtney, go ahead. I see your hand up, man. I, I think the problem you have with that role is that people are doing it, and some of them having success, so other people are following that. You get what I'm saying? If they see, and I don't want to call no kids out, but we had a kid from Tampa that went to like four different high school. Now he's playing at Alabama. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So when you see examples like that, people are like, okay, he did it. I can also because he still managed to kind of get that prize you're looking for and playing at one of the top programs in the country. So I think it's kind of like a double-edged sword of why you're getting that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that came with a, that came with a, a stipulation is what people don't understand. That came with a, you better have your record clean, nothing better have happened, or you we won't take you type deal. You know what I'm saying? That That's what ended up happening with right, that particular right. but on case. The, but, on, but on the surface, yeah. right? Perception. You know, exactly. Yeah, perception. Yeah. Let me ask y'all this. Go ahead, Nifi. Go ahead, Nifi. With, with recruiting, right? So I, I com- I'm completely biased on recruiting. If you get recruited, if another high school is recruiting, you're probably not a good recruit anyway. Good recruits don't worry about recruiting. We do what we do, and they come find us. Um, 
high school to high school, there's no competition. But the mindset goes to I want to be on a stacked team. So now you need to get on a stacked team, and that's why they transfer. That was to our old point. Um, it starts in this, in early. Everybody want to get on a stacked team, want to get where the best coach is at. So that's why everybody transfer to certain places. Um, I think it still boils down to the coaches, and this is why. I've had six or seven kids transfer on me, and D1 kids, right? And they weren't on me. That they're on. Uh, I was on the coach. I was coaching, but I always looked at them for more than an athlete. And I have my best relationships still come from them young men. Where, hey, I don't care anything about football. So what if you leave? You're a young man, and I'm shaping lives, and this is a life-changing experience. And I think if the coaches get to that and stop focusing on the mindsets of 15 and 16 year olds who can if we could control what we if what we said when we we're 15 and 16 went on we'll be these same type of kids they are today but Nefi, so but Nefi, but Nefi, you played at Palm Bay High School you played over there we we had a uh, we had a, a hell of a team w- would you agree yeah we had we had one of the best teams probably in the state of Florida yeah was the thought ever crossed your mind to bounce for me, absolutely not. But, I mean, I guess I'm not the anomaly. I think, I mean, I'm the anomaly, so I'm not going to say. Um, but what I would say is people transfer just to sit in, sit on a bench to us because <laughs> they wanted to see the show without paying the ticket because the tickets right. was crazy. Right. <laughs> so that's like, I mean, if I transfer, I know I'm not going to play on a winning team to be on a winning team versus transferring to play. On a losing team, to me, the transferring is the same thing. And hey, kids gonna be kids. But Neef, but Neefy, oh. but Neef, this is this is the first of all. I don't know if it happens a lot over there in Palm Bay, over here in Tampa, right? I'm telling you, bro. You they these kids can be on a good. I'm talking about a good. Let's let's pick a good high school program, right? We can pick Tech. We could pick Armwood. You could pick whatever Jesuit. Right, Jesuit, say Chamberlain, say Chamberlain. and Chamberlain, Chamberlain, right? Chamberlain ain't good right now. But just say Chamberlain was no, but they're all good schools because mm-hmm. this is what I'm. I'm gonna pick on Jesuit, and I, I'm gonna pick Jesuit has everything you kind of want from a high school, right? It's a private school, but it's, I mean, if you ever see it, Nefi, it's it's really amazing to to look at at Jesuit. It, it really is. It, it's I, a, I seen him in camp, like whoa. It, it's a beautiful yeah. facility. Yeah, it was. It's beautiful, man. But you had listen and listen, Nefi. You had six D one kids bounce, bounce. I'm talking about six D. These kids were getting recruited at Jesuit. They were getting play time. They were starters. They were good to go. You know what I'm saying? All of them right now still got committed to their college and still left and went to go play college. Six of them played and they bounced Jesuit to go to another school. What's I see Josh jumping in? But what's why? Why leave a dominant place like that to go where? To do you nothing. Can't, you can't explain, you cannot explain anything in football with you without blaming a parent. True. Okay? You don't sign as a high school student the transfer paperwork. Your parent does. You don't go to student assignment and ask to transfer to a new school. Your parent does. So at the end of the day, the kid could say a thousand times, I don't want to be a Jesuit. I want to leave. I don't want to be a Jesuit. I want to leave. Until you as a parent say, hey, we're going to leave Jesuit. We're going to go somewhere else. It doesn't happen. So at the end of the day, like, 
my biggest issue is the reason a lot of these kids transfer, and I've seen it firsthand uh, at the high school level specifically, and like you said, I was crazy in Tampa. Uh, in Tampa, I've seen it wholeheartedly, and I've seen it over here when I came back to Pinellas, is the parent and the kid want to foresee the program. They want to be the coach, and they want to say, oh, well, next year we might not have this, 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 and that, but they will, so I'm going to go over there. Or, uh, well, next year, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, this, and that that we did this year, so we're going to try and look somewhere else. The kid and the parent are trying to make program decisions. It's not even for them to make. They don't even know what's going on. Then they sit at dinner one day, and they're like, oh, well, what about this? And then all of a sudden, some coach hits up the kid offering them a PS5, that's the new one, right? The PS5 at a steak dinner, and all of a sudden he's like, all right, we're transferring. It just doesn't happen without making a decision that that's what they're going to do, number one. And number two, it only happens when the kid and the parent try to do again, be the coach, and foresee the following year, foresee the following season where they feel, oh, okay, it might not be good for me. I want me to then all of a sudden they get a noise in their ear. Hey, PlayStation 5, steak dinner. All right, I'm going to transfer. You know, what I'm just being real. That's no, you're being you're it. you're absolutely right. Or, or they get they get these organizations that lie to them. Time, I'm I'm gonna put you in a private school, and I, you're gonna be set for for years to come. Bro, I watched the kid throw over two thousand yards, nineteen touchdowns, three interceptions in his junior season, and transferred to a school where he had like sixteen interceptions, had less than five hundred yards throwing, didn't finish the whole season, and went from being like a D one double A D two guy to like some D3 NAI somewhere in like the other side of the country. I don't know where. And now he's back up. So I'm just saying. You know what, Josh? I saw, I saw a kid throw <laughs> this is gonna be. They're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about when I says. I saw. I, I, yeah, I saw a quarterback throw two thousand yards. Okay, only one five went five or five, but went through two thousand yards, threw amazing touchdowns, had great percentages, all this stuff, and only D two schools wanted him. Transferred to school. He went to a whole nother school and threw. Had a great, amazing season. Went undefeated. Did all this stuff, and still ended up exactly where he was gonna be, no matter what he did. It didn't matter about his yards because these kids don't understand. They don't. They don't understand the fact that you know what. You're going to throw 2,000 yards. Well, there's a kid in California who's 6'5", you know what I'm saying, 225. He just threw 4,500 yards. Oh, and by the way, he went to every single quarterback camp, and Dabo Sweeney loves him to death, and he's probably going to end up at Clemson. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they don't understand what, what the competition is out there. And, Josh, you mentioned about parents, right? Because there's a subject that you brought up that, that we were going to talk about, and I, I want to talk about it in, in here transitioning, is violence from the coaches and adults in Little League. You know what I'm saying? In, in the Little League uh, sports. I saw, you know what's funny? I saw a little bit in, in, in high school um, this past season, matter of fact. In high school, I saw a parent get rowdy or whatever the case may be, which is the first time I've seen high school level, um, not around the country, but here in Tampa at least. It's the first time I ever saw it at, at that level. But it happens a lot down the, in the in the smaller league, little league. Violence from the coaches and adults of little league games. So my question is, <sighs> do you guys, I know where it comes from, but I, I, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. When the hell can we close down fucking Facebook? Because Facebook and these sorry ass football groups has made enemies out of people that didn't even, didn't even know each other. Don't even know each other. Don't even know each other, bro. But damn it, I hate that dude because I see, see him post in the church all the time. See, you know what I mean? Think, I think I think it comes from who are you, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think it comes from who are you. Like, you have to look within yourself when you're doing it because, and I'm not saying that anybody who doesn't get mad at people is a bad person, and I'm not saying anybody who uh, forms judgment on people are bad people, but what I'm saying is, for me, strictly for me, hands down, only for me, is I love that shit. <laughs> like, really? all the drama in the Facebook post, okay? Like, put that your son is the best AU running back in the nation. Bitch, he ran twice, okay? Like, whatever. Like, let all the comments come in because I'm here with my popcorn and I'm looking at all the comments and I'm looking at all the people arguing. And It's Facebook drama. You could be, you could be a Facebook AK-47 all you want to. But at the end of the day, when I see you in public, I mean, it might be your perception and my perception is different. But at the end of the day, when I see you in public, I'm shaking your hand. I'm giving you daps. I'm like, what's up, man? How you doing? Like, oh, but Anthony, that's not, man, I'm telling you what, man, yeah, yeah. Anthony, oh, yeah, that ain't happened over here. Bro, bro, hold on, hold on, bro. Hold on. God, look, I, I get you because it's funny and it's entertaining. I'm not going to lie. Right. To me, it's entertaining. It's fun. Nefi, I don't know what you're doing, Nefi, but you was loud. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, oh, no, no, Nefi. Nefi's over there eating chips or some shit. Oh, and he's... Yeah, I, I was going to ask Nefi a question <laughs> earlier. But, but, but Josh, let me, let me tell you real quick. Further, hold on. To further say what I was saying is, is that I support everyone. So if so-and-so's kid or whatever or whoever gets a medal or does whatever, I'm liking it. I'm saying, hey, way to go, kid, you know, whatever. I'm never saying, oh, you won 55 to nothing. Well, I would smoke you 62 to nothing. You know, and I see those people out there. Wrong. I see those negative. I'm not even talking about that level. This is what I'm talking about, Coach. I'm just trying to support everybody and have a good time. And then we get together. That's good. That's your, like, because that's because you understand the game and you understand it's just right. a talk. But Ra- what Raul and I are talking about is, bro, we saw something this year, and Raul, I know, I know you know exactly why I'm bringing it up, coach. I got coaches. I got to a game at seven fifteen. The game was supposed to start at eight a.m. It's kids' flag. Listen to what I'm saying. It's flag. At seven forty-five, there was already a dad and a coach fighting, literally throwing blows across the fence from each other, like dragging each other down the fence. It's 745. <laughs> who's who's banging on bacon right now? Bro, who's like, hitting on bacon? You getting banging on bacon? Right. It's like, bro, I, I haven't even, like, but I haven't coach, even coffee yet. So but, then, coach, but, Coach, let me ask you a question. Just, just that little bit. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, and you can keep on going, but just that little bit right there. Right, we're talking seven a.m., seven fifteen, or whatever. Da, da, da. This is what drives me crazy. We are not talking about youth sports. Like it involves youth sports, but we're not talking about youth sports. You're not telling me that these two grown ass men are fighting over youth sports. They're fighting because they don't know how to communicate and they don't know how to. Uh, articulate what they're trying to say and what they're trying to get done. It's not about sports. Stop saying it's about sports. It doesn't matter if your kid runs the ball 20 times or zero times. It's the right. fact you cannot talk to another adult without violence. But, Anth- but Anthony, Anthony, story. but Anthony, those else. groups, those groups, I'm telling you, this, those groups are full with trolls. 
they're filled with they're gonna put in there and for every person that loves it there's 10 more that want to amp it up and hip they want to see the dragging down the cross the fence but and you can but Anthony, but Anthony, here's here's a good here's a good point. Courtney beat the crap out of me in in uh, in the uh, in Raymond James Stadium, right? Beat the crap out of us, bullied us. He, now he did. He was cheating. He had two six foot six goddamn D linemen at eight years old. You know what I'm saying? It was Courtney's uh, little brother. I it was Courtney. No, no. But no, it, it, it was it was a, it was with the time where they were unlimited weight. We were limited, and he just he just beat the crap out of us down the field. Now. Yeah. Leading up to that game, Courtney, how many times did I get on there and say, man, F Courtney, F the East Bay Bucks, they can kiss my ass. When I see this dude, I'm going to fight him. How many times did I tell you that? Never. Right. Because right. why, bro? It was respect to the game. And game, which are, yes, go ahead. I'm no, going to follow about you. Go ahead. No, yeah, it's a respect to the game. And, bro, even after we lost... Bro, I still coach with this guy, not because I got my ass kicked by him, but because we had conversations and he, and he understood what the game was about. I was there in between the two games. Right, we 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 understood what the we game was about. Together. But yeah. everybody around us, everybody, and he ain't gonna lie to you, everybody around us would have loved for me and this man to throw down, or me and 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 Grizz to fight, or whatever the case they wanted to see, whatever they wanted to happen. It wasn't going to yeah. happen. You know what I'm saying? But they amped mm -hmm. it up so much. They're like, yo, let's let's amp this thing up so bad that it's going to be so great to watch these two coaches fight rather than watch a football game. Because guess what? Right. The game ended, and that's it. The kids yes, went sir. home. And guess what? The, my, the kids that I coach, Courtney's going to coach them. Courtney even got to talk to them. Courtney played. I don't care that they're going to go to a good coach. Like, that, that to me is a good lateral move. Go to a good coach. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no. Anthony, that, but that's not what Josh and I are, are. What we're talking about is you get on the internet. These internet, I call them uh, uh, keyboard killers, right? Because they, you know, yeah, yeah. We turn to we turn from trigger fingers to, you know, Twitter fingers. These guys and they sit yeah. there and they and they sit there and they talk all this junk to the point where I know you. Talk, I know what you're saying, Anthony, is where keyboard well, these, cowboys. Yeah, these guys. But it, coach, it amps it up, especially when you got to see it twenty four seven. People screenshot the shit. Then they got to text you. And then you got to walk into a game as if it's a gangster meeting because I don't know how many times I had to walk into a game like, well, I'm going to play the Panthers this week, so I know two guys are going to try me because whatever the case they said online. But but again, none of those Panthers guys, they don't come up to my face, don't say nothing to me. They just want to kill me on Facebook. You know what I mean? Right. So, 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 go ahead, Brandon, so go ahead, I, I've been on the receiving end of – I've been the meme out of a loss or, you know what I'm saying? I participated in some of the casual junk talking, but to me, it's casual. Now, I have never participated in trash talk with coaches that has been to the level of fighting. I want to throw bows, but I've seen it, you know, personally at games, even this year of, like you said, a flag game, a parent jumping a gate, yeah. going to bump with a coach because their son's not playing or whatnot. I think the problem comes from a couple of different places. I think parents are so caught up into what they want for their kid. And if the, if the coach is not giving what they want, it's personal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're throwing my son. You're, you're ruining my son's football career because he's six-year-old flat and he's blocking instead of running the ball. And it's that's something that's not a coach problem. That's a parent problem. You know what I'm saying? But how we do you change be, that, Courtney? I'm sorry. Anyway. How do you yeah, change yeah, yeah. that shit? Because it's frustrating to sit there and see. I'm sorry, Josh. It's frustrating to see exactly. They, oh, do, they, do they not understand that from the time you play five-year-old flag football to your last uh, Little League football game, that none of that shit even matters? 
It doesn't matter. I, well, I understand that. But if, go ahead, Josh. Where's the accountability part? Like Coach just said, he don't. Coach Courtney just said he don't get into that. Like he talk about it, whatever, blase, blase, and then it is what it is because he's a grown man. He knows it's not that. But where's the accountability part? He said the parents got an issue. Again, going back to the parents. But for me, big picture is where's the organization accountability? Like for instance, Coach Courtney, you talk mm-hmm. your junk. They talk your junk. You go and fight, Coach Courtney. Turn your badge in. You're done. Right. Where's that? Coach Courtney, if you go on Facebook and you start rapping and yapping or taking your badge, you're no longer the no, head coach. No, We're no, done. No, nobody that forces. No, nobody forces that. That's why. Should they? Though, should they? So, should they so, enforce listen, that? So, so I'm gonna tell you. I'm in. I'm in a different league this year. I'm in Tri County. Uh, so they got rid of their Facebook page probably like four years ago. Right, like the peak of trash talking. What is all time high? They felt for the culture of the league, the culture of this organization was to get rid of the Facebook to kind of remediate all the drama. And I can say it worked. We don't in Tri County is very little of the extracurricular stuff because you line up and play football. It's none of that other extracurricular activities. I feel like there's so many in the inner city leagues, like we coached in Raul before, we we're so caught up in that. That's why all that transpire so much and it leads up to Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Because it's so much of that online activity. And there's a place for it to happen at. There's a platform for it to be at. So that's why it's such a big deal. You get what I'm saying? But, Coach, how can I say this? You're right. Tri-County did change the policy. They did change how they do social media. Uh, I know TYFL had a social media policy that they put out as well. They don't enforce shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. They need right. to. You know what I'm saying? Florida Elite, they can say whatever they want about B. Reed on how he's doing great. He's not enforcing shit. And he knows damn well he's got about, about 12 teams that need to be restructured because of the stupidity that happens every single weekend that you go out there. People ask me all the time, are you going to go watch that Florida Elite game? Hell no. Hell no, I ain't going out there to watch no Florida League game. And that Florida League bullshit jumped into the TYFL because why? Because we don't want to sit there and watch these guys getting, you know, to these scrap matches and fight matches and all this other crap, man. You know what I'm saying? They make these things personal. And the violence has gotten to the point where, like I told you guys, I went to baseball this spring. And I'm telling you what, man, I've never felt more like a father watching my son play sports than I have when he played baseball. Okay, and this rolls into the next transition of things, and I'm going to ask you this. Why do we not push baseball more on our kids than we do football? And I know Florida is a, is an all-speed sport. I understand it's nothing but track and football, and I get that. But I saw – I saw I don't be honest with you. I saw kids that could probably dust the crap out of football players, right, because I've seen them run their sprints. I've seen them – I've seen their builds, their forearms, their freaking backs because they got to swing bats all freaking day. Or they got to hit rubber tires with, with these uh, uh, weighted bats to work on bat speed. And they're, they're built kids, you know what I'm saying? So they could probably hold their own playing football. But I don't understand why, why we don't push enough baseball onto our kids. Uh, Nifi, I, I, I'm sorry. I just saw your hand up the whole time. Have you been your hand been up the whole time, bro? Are you on there? Where you at, bro? <laughs> yeah, I'm on here. It, it been up. It never went down. Oh, okay, okay. I just want to make sure because I don't want to. I don't want to skip you on nothing, man. So you good? But I would say to that. I'm, yeah, I'm good. Go I would say to that baseball though. I think me growing up, I was too big to play football. Um, in city league, my mom ain't know nothing about no baseball. All we knew is football. <laughs> that's all we watched on TV. Football right. and wrestling. So, I mean. 
I don't know nothing about baseball to put my kids in it. Yeah. I think, and, I, think culture, I think culture wise, especially in the black community, I just kind of speaks for my side of the of the house. Baseball is not really something we look after, you know what I'm saying? As a sport for our kids to play, you know what I'm saying? Even well, though they probably do well, but I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It, it, I think it's lack of, I can probably count on my hand, one of my hand, how many baseball games I watched my whole life. I can probably count. I can probably count on my hand. How many baseball players, I know. Outside of Ken Griffith Jr., Chipper <laughs> Jones, and maybe A-Rod, I don't know many more out of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I just think it just for lack of, and if I don't know it, I, you know, it's kind of hard for me to tell my kid to put my kids in it. You know what I'm saying? It's not really my thing. You know what I'm saying? So I think right. it kind of has a trickle down effect of kind of like cultural from, you know. And see, and on the Spanish side, on the Spanish side, we, you know what I'm saying? I, on the Spanish side of it, right? That's probably the first sport we're supposed to play. Other than, I know it sounds so, so, I know I'm, I like I'm stereotyping, but they sit there and say you either play soccer, baseball, and then you, then you play football, whatever the case may be. Now, if you guys really want to know the truth, if you start playing soccer first before football, God does it help you with your feet work in football. It's, it's tremendous. Uh, but it was never pushed on. And I, and I probably would never venture out of baseball if my little man didn't ask me for it. My little man asked me to play baseball when he was four or five years old. We stopped playing when he was eight because I got caught up in that stupidity that we should play football year round, which that'll be the next subject. But um, that'll be the, yeah, the next thing. Uh, but spring, I, I, Courtney, you hit on the head. I don't know why it's not pushed enough. I don't think it's, I don't think it has to do anything with Facebook. I don't think it has to do anything with advertising because the sport is definitely around everywhere. You know what I mean? Josh, go ahead. I saw you jump. want to jump in there, man. So I saw, I sat on a community board, bro, and this was a topic that came up, and it was opportunities that matter in the community, right, and opportunities in the community. What are the community assets pushing? What are the community resources offering? You know, in a lot of the, like Coach Courtney said, in a lot of the brown and black culture communities, the inner cities, Baseball fields are like the sandlot. Mm. I mean, like that's it's like the sandlot. You know, a place for us. You know, like where, I, where we're from, St. Pete. St. Pete should be booming with athletes, especially in baseball, because of the facilities we have. Number one, two, we got the team right here in the heart of the city. And if you remember, Lang Stadium has a ton of baseball history, which they allowed to be sold out to a baseball. I mean, to a soccer team. Um, which kind of killed the history of the sport. I think it comes down to, you know, the the value of the opportunity, right? Social media. If I'm a football player and I ball out, I make the top 100. <laughs> I'm going to get recruited. I'm going to be something for my family. I'm going to get up out the hood. If I can play basketball, same kind of flashy stuff. You don't see highlight films of, Yo, he ripped one and made like to, to center field and was so fast he got a double. You know what I mean? Like you don't see that. Right. You see, oh, he broke six tackles, ran back twenty yards, and ran eighty four. Like that's yeah. what you see. So I think the biggest aspect is understanding the opportunity that it brings. Yeah. Yeah. I played hey. before I ever played football. You know that was that was the sport. Like you said, bro, being a Latino, bro, that was the thing. Like. Yo, the first thing you get is a bat. You know, who? how many people can you hit with it, you know? I remember chasing my brother around the house with the bat. Like, yo, <laughs> you know, you're not going to bully me no more. But the issue is, is that it's understanding the opportunity. The opportunity was my dad grew up in Brooklyn. 
in New York where everybody was a Yankee fan. If you were a Mets fan, nobody was cool with you. And everybody played baseball. They played baseball on the block. They played T-ball like outside with paper balls and wiffle ball bats. And it was an opportunity that what? Out of there, out of that neighborhood, baseball was an opportunity. How many times, and I know that's a different topic we talked about before, but is it pushed as an opportunity to us that will allow us the opportunity to grow, possibly create generational wealth, allow us to leave the community, allow us to build our, our family name up, and in our and predominantly our culture, it's not. It's either you playing football, you running track, or you playing basketball. Yeah, and also too, you got to think about it. You know, but even on in the professional level, baseball is not as popular as it once was. Also, you know what I'm saying. And I think that has a trickle down effect. Also, that is not as popular uh, in the professional side of the house than it used to be. So I think that's why the youth is not so crazy about baseball as that was was. I ran into this kid where my son trains at. He's a he's a black kid. Man, he's six foot nine. He's in Tampa. He's a pitcher. He's like a freaking. I think he's like six nine, two hundred sixty something pounds. He's like a walking football D one athlete. All he gotta do is want to play the sport. I'm pretty sure he'll D one scholarship. But he's a pitcher. And the kid told me that you know if he can get his fastball a little bit faster, that he can go professional. 18 years old, you know what I'm saying? So him not going down that typical path of being a big kid playing football, he has an opportunity as an 18-year-old kid to be a professional uh, player, I think is awesome. So I sometimes think that we're probably as a community kind of bottling that in ourselves, not looking into baseball as an opportunity for our kids to play. You know what I'm saying? Because we probably got some super talented kid in the sport who just need opportunity to play it. You know what I mean? Oh, and I get so, that. When you say there's no opportunity into it, you know what I'm saying? When you say there's no, no general wealth or growth, whatever, I don't know, man. Or, or it's not popular. You know, Courtney, you said it's not popular. Bro, I'm looking at $300, $200 million contracts. I'm like, well, somebody is buying these jerseys. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but, but as far as if you if you look, it's not as many people. It's, look, it's not as many people watching the game as football on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many of us. So I feel like this as a – we did a poll of at your job of all your men, do you watch baseball, watch football? I'm pretty sure majority are going to say they watch football or baseball. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But also to, that, also to that point, though, let's, let's, let's talk about what we just talked about when it comes to parents, okay? So you go to a football game, a youth football game, and you see your kid or that, that, that parent in the stands, see their kids make tackles, run, runs, score touchdowns, whatever, da, da, da. So they're judging that game based on Then you go to a baseball game and you take that same parent who is judging what they did off of a football game based on what they do in baseball. The best hitters in the world only hit one out of ten times are three out of 10 times, 33%. They go to baseball, they start downing them. I see it all the time in baseball. They go to baseball, they can't hit a baseball or they can't catch a baseball. So they're they're being mad at them. Why can't you hit it? Why can't you do it? So then the kids get discouraged and they don't come back to baseball. They go one baseball, they go two baseballs and they don't come back because the parents don't understand the rate of failure in baseball is so much greater than it is in any other sport that they downgrade them so much that the kids don't want to play. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. They probably do. You're right. The hand-eye coordination, but to piggyback off that, 
And you and, put your football player in baseball and let him hand-eye coordination, your quarterback, your running back, or whatever, and he can hit a damn 60-mile-an-hour fastball, guess how much he's going to be better in football? Yeah, Correct. Anthony, to piggyback off of you, we both know Brandon, who's a baseball guy. Um, we always talk about him every once in a while. But, like, I was talking to him one day, and, like, the other thing is, too, um, yo, the cost of training a baseball player to get ready for the next level is astronomical. Yeah, I pay two hundred and twenty bucks. My kid plays twelve games of little league football. He gets a uniform, a bag, a jacket, uh, full pads, and a helmet, and he's good. The cost of a bat in baseball is like two twenty, mm. and yeah. then you got to talk about all the gear, and then you got to talk about all that, and you can't yeah. buy all that on food stamps. Let's just keep it real. I'm yeah. just gonna with you. And, and, and all the travel with travel baseball is ridiculous. Right, exactly. It's, travel it's, baseball is ridiculous. So the reason the reason you see that like, and and this came up in that community conversation was one of the biggest reason is the financial resource of I don't mind my son playing baseball I just can't afford it. As there is not it, one person on this call right now that can even remotely come to the level of financial talks as me, <laughs> because for whatever reason I don't know. I grew up in the city of Tampa. I grew up in the freaking suburbs of Hillsborough County. I married the love of my life, and then I moved to Minnesota for a little while because my job made me, and then I came back to uh, Lake Mary. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, God put me here and said, guess what? You're going to pay $450 a year for your kid to play tackle football, and only thing he's going to get is a dry fit T-shirt. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. So my recruiting, it goes down to the next level in this city over here and that city over here. And I'm talking to parents that only pay 185 and they get two jerseys, they get three pairs of pants, you know, the case may be. I'm constantly dealing with that. So I totally understand what you're saying when it comes to money. Like I I I don't know what anyone else four fifty is, four fifty like, is a little ridiculous though. I play city ball. My parents put me up for city ball. You had to have a recreational membership because I was from the Boys and Girls Club. I played for them. Some coach was like, you should come play for us. I paid a membership. It was like $25 to be a rec member. And then I paid like 100 bucks. And I was on the city rec team for baseball. And it was a little rec league and kids at the elementary school. We played like 12 games. And that was it. My buddy played on a travel team, and he was like, yo, your son can play with us. I played, like, third and first because I was, like, 12. My dad was like, that'd be great. You know, that's what that's why we're playing baseball. You know, another Puerto Rican baby. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And then we got there. I'm hyped. I got my clothes. got my cleats. I'm ready. You know, their first day of practice. Let's get it. And then they handed my dad that registration and that registration fee packet. And my dad was like, Back to boys and girls, the wreck ball we go. Mm. Can't afford this. Yeah. And that's the reality. The reality is it's not a feasible opportunity to all of them. It's right. not. It's a financial it Yeah. And Little League football is way more, for, uh, unless you're at Lake Mary. But it's <laughs> 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 way more affordable and you get more clout for it and you get more drama and you get more access to highlights and reels and all this other stuff, which leads to the conversation that you were bringing up, Raul, of why it's become a year-round thing. 
Yeah. Why is it becoming a round thing? Like, I, I listen, I respect all my brothers. Like, all my brothers, I respect. You know, uh, Courtney, Rob, everyone. Like, if you want to put your baby in year-round football, put your baby in year-round football. I don't care. But at the end of the day, they are babies. Mm-hmm. They're my babies, <laughs> at least. You know, but at the end of the day, like, we put him, we put our oldest, Trev, in, in year-round uh, spring league one year. And just having he was a quarterback, so he didn't get hit that much. But then we talked about it, and I was like, ah, I don't want to put him, you know, getting hit year-round or whatever. But then we put him in baseball, and then baseball is year-round. And then we go to lacrosse, and lacrosse is year-round. And, you know, you go to basketball, and then all of a sudden you you do good in one basketball season, and they want you to do AAU basketball. So then that's year-round. So then as a parent and as a coach, what do you do? It's a money grab, man. What do you do year-round? That it's a money grab. That's all that yeah. it, it's become. It used to be it, so a long time ago. Spring football in in Tampa used to be you take the development. There you go, Courtney. You take the development, the developing kids, and you bring them out. Right. Well, these mm-hmm. guys, like I told you, we allowed all these dumbass coaches to come in. We allowed all these guys to come in. We allowed all these these bad influences to come in. And what they do is they stack a whole team. They try to run spring, and then they try to run fall. And everybody's got some beef, and they want to try to do it again and. Again. Again and again, not knowing that, hey, man, I basically just want to try to train this kid in football. So my son, I let him play one year of, of all-year-round football. And the only reason I did that was because a year prior when he played in the fall, he jumped on a fence and sliced his hand right down. The baseball player, Jaded, he sliced his hand right down the middle of it. So he couldn't play the rest of his fall. It happened the second week of the season. So he couldn't play at all that fall. So we got sewed up, and I was I was like, yo, you're done. I want to make sure we have full function of your hand oh, because yeah, before sure, football, yeah. bub, I want you to be able to sign your checks and sign your name and make sure your hand is good because it happened on his right hand. And um, I want to make sure he was good. So I let him put I put him in that spring, let him play, and then I, we played fall. But what I noticed was the body on, on my son, Jaden, and Jordan, Jordan as well, I could tell the toll it took on their body. If that makes any sense, uh, yeah. I, you know, they, they got up and again, these are just Jaden. There's a big, uh, not a huge gap, but a three year gap between the brothers, right? Jordan is now 13. Jaden's 10. So when we did this, Jordan was, I believe he was 10 and Jaden was seven. So it was, it was that kind of gap, but I could tell my son was getting up and, you know, during the spring season bumps, bruises, whatever the case is, he get to May and he's kind of like, okay, then fall kicked in. And then it's like, Man, his hit at seven, his knees were hurting, his thighs were hurting, his back was hurting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And some of them, you know, some people say, oh, well, then, then you know, it's because your son's a Timmy. It has nothing to do with that. It's just my son played a position where it, it, they demanded a lot of him. Jordan played wide receiver slash quarterback. So 90% of the time in youth football, it's just run anyway. You're not going to throw anything. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it, it didn't matter. Jaden, on the other hand, Jaden played a totally different position. Jaden played linebacker. All right, so Jaden was running around everywhere in tackles or, you know, getting in piles or playing against humongous monsters like, like Courtney's son and stuff like that. Um, not Courtney's son in particular, but kids like that that were big because we went unlimited. So I can tell the development of his body wasn't that good uh, over the years. So I was like, yo, he needs a year of rest. When I pulled yeah. him out of it, when I pulled him actually out of football and let him, you know, play baseball or just pulled him out just to, hey, son, let's just have fun and be a kid and heal up. I noticed now that Jaden has gotten this freaking build, like he's gotten muscular. 
Jordan has, is now 5'11 at 13 years old. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Nothing stunned his growth because the number one thing that, and parents are going to, parents are going to call me crazy, but the number one thing, bro, I don't know if it happened to you guys. You hear about the kids growth plates in their knees, not, not developing because they're taking these hits all year round. One, because yeah. these kids want to be cool and raise their damn knee pads above the kneecap. You know what I'm saying? And take those Listen, blows. I, on. I, I never allow. I, I have, me neither. I can't, even at the high no. school level, the kids hate me for it. No, you're missing no, my drip. I hate it. Well, you want to blow your ACL before your yeah. sophomore year? You know, yeah, keep you it up there. You can drip all you want as long as you want to drip your ACL at your <laughs> right. Yeah. right, 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 right. So I, I don't like year-round football at all. I don't like anything that's year-round. But go ahead, guys. I, 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 I'm the same way. I think everything has a season for a reason. Um, I, I'm a big fan I have a respect of that. You should be a multi-sport guy if you can. Um, and if you're not, you should still have a break to do something else. If you want to do some type of training or whatever, but I don't think you should be playing football year-round, basketball year-round, baseball. Uh, I think there has to be a gap to recover and you know either work on your game or do something else. I'm a firm believer of that. A, I agree, Coach. There's a reason why, you know, even the NFL is only a certain amount of a lot of time, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it goes back to – Coach Raul, what you said, man, it's a money grab. And and there's nobody on the face of the planet, I don't care who it is, you can have Nick Saban and Bill Belichick come and tell me that it's not a money grab, and I'm not going to believe them either because I've witnessed guys pay for kids to play last minute, get cleared on the roster in the stream season for a playoff game. I watched it. I watched a kid drive up to a game, literally drive and park next to me. It's a true story. I can't make it up. Park next to me. And then play in my 14U game. That doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no way that happened. And then the guy I had to go talk to, the league owner, representative, director was like, oh, no, he's been playing all season and his birth certificate is good. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, he didn't play all season. I watched him play. I watched the film. How did he just get up? Come to find out, like, after the game, that kid was a started, like, the number two running back on a varsity team and, like, finished the whole JV season. On a JV team. Hey so Josh, like, I I, de I so badly want to ask you what team because I kind I probably know if it was a Cougar, it was probably like a Cougar. It's so good. I, I, I feel like you two know. I feel like you two know. Yeah, it's like a but Cougar. But go ahead. But 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 then I went to the director of the league. You can't go above that guy. His whole family's involved and everybody else. You can't go above that guy. So who are you supposed to complain to? It's a money grab, bro. No, there's no I, way in the world. Dude, I I. I totally get what you're saying, and I, I do. But at the end of the day, at some point, we all have to look at ourselves in the, in the mirror and say, what do we really want at the level that we're coaching? And for my level, I mean, I have a little one too, don't get me wrong. I have a seven-year-old who just, I mean, if you're yeah. going to be that parent, I'm going to be that parent on the seven-year-old because when he comes, He's coming. So you all better watch out because he does not wear a helmet and he just runs into every wall that he can find. <laughs> as far as, you know, being, a, a, you know, an 11-year-old parent, like, I just, I can't stand, like, the arguments and the heat and, you know, like, everyone arguing and just let, let's get together and be friends and play some damn football at the end of the day. Absolutely. You know, like, hey, let's play okay. some football. Like, we don't need to argue about who's the top 100, who is the best ever, or who plays whatever. And if you want to argue with me and you're a parent of my parent on my team, then give it 24 hours, watch the damn film, come talk to me later. But we are just trying to have fun here. 
The problem you got these, and I had to keep ragging on parents because I, I do love most of my parents. Got to. Yeah, but, but, they, but, they, but they got to hold their ass accountable too, man, because they act a damn fool, now. Listen, I, I think they have, some parents have a hard time taking mommy and daddy lenses off and look at their kid in a, a fair sense of, uh, a, fair, a fair lens. You get what I'm saying? Um, you can be in practice and see your kid getting tore up by his peers on his team and still question the coach why the kid that's been killing him to play the same position is playing most of the players in the game. You know what I'm saying? So, Courtney, that, that, so court, that, that, so that court, is, I, don't, I don't mean to overtake this right quick, but just uh-huh. a real quick, quick, quick question. Yes, sir. How do you, Raul uh, and Josh, everybody, because I'm a head coach too, but how I know how I take care of it, but how do you guys take care of that right there? How do you guys take care of you got a starting quarterback or you got a starting running back or you got a starting defensive tackle who can tackle everything in the world, but yet mom, dad, whatever comes up and says, no, no, no my kids should be running the ball. First, I'll go first because I, I had this situation uh, numerous times, especially being one of the younger coaches where the older dad thinks he knows more. Um, I think it starts with setting the tone at the beginning of the season. Yes. Um, at the beginning of the season, you have the option whether to play here or not play here. So before the first day of practice in that parent meeting, I'm the type, I'm a logistical guy. I got a coach on my team who knows zero about football. He knows 100% liabilities, procedures, and structure of how we work as a team. That's his job. He deals with my parents. He deals with the organization. I don't deal with none of that. The reason I have him on my staff is because at the beginning of the year, I introduce him, and then former military guy, militant, very smart, knowledgeable individual, gets up there, and he brings this sheet of paper, and he hands it out to all the parents, the structure, the procedures, and how we operate as a team, how we operate as coaches, our roles, and what we look for for everything that we do. At that moment in time, it's like the code of conduct when a kid goes to school. You know how we operate. So if he falls out of the code of conduct, don't come crying to me. You already know this is how we work. So, again, it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show is setting a standard. Standards, man. Standards matters. Setting a standard and saying, look, this is how we operate. So when they come up to me and they're like, well, first of all, majority of them won't come up to you because they're going to be intimidated at the fact that you got a standard and policies and procedures to abide by as a staff. They're going to be like, whoa, they're holding themselves accountable. They're holding me accountable. So they're going to run and stay. If they stay, they probably respect now, you're going to get that one teacher or that one uh, parent who thinks they're a teacher, coach, principal. They think they're everything in their kid's life. So they're going to come to you and they're going to be like, well, you know, it's been two weeks of practice. And, uh, you know, I play catch with my son all the time. He throws the ball right in my chest. Uh, so uh, why is he not playing quarterback? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Bro, it's, such, it's so damn true, man. You got me crying. It's so true. I saw my son throw a Nerf ball through a golf ball. <laughs> He's going to around the house. Yeah, like I saw him tag his sister and hit her in the face. Across the dining I know he's got a million-dollar arm. He's got an older brother, and I watch him run from his older brother through the house and bob and weave all the time. I don't know why he's not playing running back. Yes. So the key is here. Hey, it's real so funny. Were you able to look over that piece of paper we gave you at the team meeting, at the parent meeting? Yeah. Yeah, I, I read it. I read it. Because even if they don't read it, they're going to tell you. Yeah, I, I read it. it. Yeah. 
What was the last line that I wrote? Well, if you uh, well, if you go to the second part where it talks about player personnel, um, you'll see in the third line around there somewhere it says that coaches are one hundred percent in charge of where players play and the amount of time that they get based on their production at practice. So that's why your son's not playing. If you have any issues with that, feel free to take it with the organization. Conversation. Okay. Done. Hey, hey, hey. Done. Let, let me try. Let me try real quick. So th- this one that gets sticky. All right. <laughs> this one get a little no, no messy K. When it's when it involves your own kid and you the coach, that's when it get a little sticky because the only the first thing they're gonna say, the reason why your son starting on my son because you playing daddy ball. I don't care if he's a quarterback, a running back, a center, a left guard, or a defensive tackle. If you're the coach and that's your kid, my son played. My son only touched the football. I, I've been told that my son is starting because I played daddy ball before. You know what I'm saying? My son's a lineman. <laughs> I didn't know lineman was involved in daddy football. I didn't, apparently, hey, the, the same thing happened to me. My son was the right, the starting right guard on the offensive line. There you go. Playing daddy ball. I said, I, I'm sorry. How am I playing daddy ball? When yeah. a back is always running the ball. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, ma'am. <laughs> but the running back, he's black. <laughs> <laughs> I'm white, and my wife is white too. So my son. Unless somebody's got some explaining to do. <laughs> like, it, like but, but, explain that to me. Like we we. Yeah. Like, but it, but it, but it gets tricky when we got these parents who are so, you know, judgmental of like how you're handling personnel on teams because they they refuse to look at the things from a non-biased perspective when it comes to their child, man. And I, th- and I yeah. think that's a part of the problem was you got to be real with yourself and make a real have a real outlook of what your kid is really doing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure. And then, you know, I don't know, Raul, if we have time or whatever, but like, if it comes to like, if we're talking about coaching, this is, I'll, I'll give you a real quick what I do. So every, every year, doesn't matter. You've been with me five years, been with me one, one second. It doesn't matter. What we do is we teach them the warm up. We teach them the lineup. We line up by, uh, you know, alphabetical or whatever, but just more teach line up. And then I go one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Okay. You go to station one, you go to station two, you go to station three, you go to station four, station one, learn how to block station uh, two, you learn how to tackle station three, you learn a little bit of, uh, uh-uh, you know, whatever you <laughs> station three, you, that's the specialty. You learn how to run you, or pass, you know, you, can you run the ball? Can you whatever? And I do that stuff for four days for 20 minutes of station. I literally squirt them up with water every time they rotate. And so as soon as they put on pads the next week, we do it again. And so then I get all that out of, out of the out of the way. So my coaches are making notes the whole time, right? We're, okay, we know who's doing this. We know who's doing that, whatever. So by the second week, we can actually mutate the, the groups into what we know they're going to be. So when old Susie Rottencross comes down the damn street and she says, you know, my son can play quarterback and he's better than this person. We have tons of film and we also have tons of, okay, well, if he can throw the ball better than this person, show me. And we don't have to deal with that. And I totally, get you're going to get a parent every year anyway, doing it. But I feel like the way that I do it, at least, Eliminates maybe like ninety five percent of it. I don't. Nah, they don't care, dog. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't care. You, you know what? It's, it's, it's funny here. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. 
I got to ask Anthony something real quick. And I know this is a serious show. We talk about serious stuff. No, you good, man. I'm taking notes. I'm taking notes you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, I'm a notepad here. Uh, Coach Anthony, I got two questions. What is a little bit of uh-uh? Because I know you're <laughs> And who is what is that, Susie? Who? Susie Crackleberry. Susie, 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 Susie Rotten Crotch. Crotch. Susie Rotten Crotch. Rotten Crotch. That's somebody you don't want to talk to. Do I do the uh uh-uh, uh bro? How do I do I start wait? How many cones do I need? Josh, you Josh, you do the uh uh-uh, uh do the uh uh-uh, uh to Susan Ron Crutch. The uh uh-uh is white spice, you know, that you've been in the black community. It's a little uh uh-uh. uh. Like, oh, oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> a little, uh-uh. And that Susie Ron Crotch is the first person you want to run away from. Yeah, that's oh, the oh, that's Lord. the mom that's gonna that's that gonna one, get in your one, face. That one parent. <laughs> you know, that's it's that so one parent. That's that one parent that's gonna talk all the noise. So to handle handle the go ahead, Josh. This Susie is our Karen. I got it. I got it. Karen. Yeah, yeah. yeah Susie Rocker. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's that's our version of the Karen. You're right. Shrink it down. That's good. That's good. No, you know what? So you guys touched on a couple things, right? You touched on Daddy Ball. You touched on the standards of it. Uh, Josh, I love exactly what you were saying about. You know, let's let's have it in the team meeting. You're gonna laugh, man. I know. I know. I know it's youth football and youth sports, man. But every team meeting, uh, um, parent meeting. I'm sorry. Every parent meeting. The very first one, I gave them the standards and and what they needed to have, right? I gave them my my qualifications as far as a coach and what I've done, and then I've given the standards that their child needs hold. Now, this is a funny part that you're going to laugh. I made the parents sign it, and I made the kids sign it. There's a kid version of it, and there's a parent version of it. Kid version, basically, I'll give you a rundown. It's really quick. Kid version means your behavior in school is going to be good. Your behavior at home is going to be good. And your grades are going to be good. If you can't hold those three up, you're not playing football here. I don't care how much money your mom and daddy paid. I don't give a damn. Um, the parents need to understand that because I am big on football. I, I went to college to play football, and I tell you right now, I did not do what I was supposed to do, and they kicked my ass right back. They gave me a plane ticket, took my playbook, and I was coming right back because I didn't, do, I didn't take school seriously. So I'm, I want them to understand how serious school is because it is student athlete. The student comes first before the athlete. So I give them that. Then the version of the parents is <laughs> the number one thing is I do not talk to parents after football games. If you want to talk to me, you talk to me on Sunday or you talk to me on Monday at practice. But after a football game, win or lose, don't come talk to me about your child or whatever's going to happen or what, why didn't they play this position, whatever the case may be. Now, as a coach, I do, when you ask about daddy ball, running back, and this and that, I love the wing tee, right? I love the wing tee only for one reason specifically is because of what you guys just talked about. I love it only from the 8 to 10-year-old level. Anything older than that, you go ahead and you do some other stuff. I love it because it's going to put four running backs on a football field, quarterback included. You could put four athletes on a football field any given time. So I do have a diamond in the rough or two diamonds in the rough. I can work them into rotations to help them get the ball. It does a couple things. One, it's a dog and pony show for mom and dad. Oh, look, my baby's playing running back. I'll give him a couple jet sweeps. I'll give him a couple down plays or whatever the case may be. And it's just, that's all it is, is a dog and pony show. Now, me as a coach, and Courtney knows this, and, and Anthony, we, we coach together as well. You guys know very well that like, I'm going to try. And, and even though we did the all-star thing, you could tell the version the long version of it is I'm going to try to develop yeah. as many kids as I can as possible to play a position. Now, he might not be the greatest running back, but he's going to understand what the two hole, four hole, six hole is. He's going to be able to know football. And then he's going to make, I'm going to make memory. I'm going to help make memories. My greatest football play. And I'm, this is, uh, this is the last thing we're going to talk about because I want to get to you guys. The greatest football play I've ever called the greatest football play I've ever seen. Okay. And you're going to laugh about this. I got a kid who, um, and I won't say his name, but he was autistic, okay? 
And he didn't want, the mom and dad did not want a handout. They did not want to do, and, and, and I no disrespect to the teams that do, you know, that did do the, um, what do you call it, where everybody is moving yeah, and they, let them score. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. They didn't want any of that. They, they want him to earn it. So I completely understood. And I, I worked with this kid all year long. And every game I was trying to get him into the position to where he can score a touchdown. Because we gave him plays where he he actually touched the football and he, he ran the ball. And the kids blocked amazing. The greatest memory I have as a youth football coach is, you're going to laugh about this. It almost brings me to tears when I think about it. But this is what happened. The, the, we we're winning the game. We're, we're up by a lot. And we're on the like 25-yard line going in. We got the ball back. It's literally like two minutes left in the game, right? And we're up. And the clock is our running clock. So the kid goes back to play running back. I see my specialist, and I'm talking about the running backs, tell the lineman, get out. This is a true story. And they're running toward the sideline. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? They have replaced their linemen, and then more skilled players went out to go replace them, okay? They want to block. They, the, the linemen were, I guess, tired or whatever. They want to block and move quickly to let him score. I have never once practiced hurry-up offense with this team. And for two minutes, these kids drove down the field to make sure this kid scored his touchdown. And that was probably the greatest football play concept, whatever you want to call it, game I've ever. And I've, I've played in five Super Bowls. I've had all the great. I've won four of them. I've, whatever you want to call it. That is still the single greatest play ever. So my question to you before we end it is, what is your greatest single, either it's a coach or player memory of football or sports in general? And it doesn't have to be a play like that. It could be some memory that you did with a, with a parent or something. What is your greatest memory? So this past year, I've been coaching this kid, you know, for six years since he's been five years old. And I love him. He, his, he's a, from a Spanish background. His parents know nothing about football. And when I say nothing, I mean they can't even spell football. Okay, mm -hmm. But they, they love watching their kid play. He's been a phenomenal offensive lineman for us for five years. Never says a word, just smiles. And, you know, when he's got to run, he's got to run. And, you know, that little bit of disbelief in his face when he doesn't, agree but never says or never complains never does nothing this past uh quarantine comes up and his dad comes up to me after one practice and he says coach in his you know in my best spanish accent he says i know nothing about football you know that and i said yeah i know that and what's what's up and then he says i don't want to uh, you know completely dis kill the accent but he says nelson's only dream he told me nelson's only dream is to run the ball one time done yeah i could not have been happier we're in the mid florida championship you tell me that we're going to it we score the first time and i said i don't i don't want to kick you know in our league we kick for two we run for one so if you kick for two it's a huge advantage so I said, give him the ball. Right now, give him the ball, fullback. And he drops the ball on the handoff. Mm. And I was 
discouraged for him. I felt so bad he came off. You know, his face was down or whatever. I'm like, no, nah, we, we, we're going to score. We're going to score multiple times this game. I, I, I can feel it. We're going to come up. We're, I'm going to get you back. So we score one more time. I need to, you know, secure the win or whatever. So we secure the win. We, we score again. Send him back out. Kid gets the ball. He holds the ball. He fights. He fights. He fights. He digs. He digs. He's about an inch short. And but that kid came off and the smile on his face. And I said, I'm done. That's it. Lit you up, man. It lights you up, man. I won. I won 2020. I don't even need to win the championship game. This one kid from one to two runs from blocking his ass off for four years, just practicing offense alignmentship. One step this way, two steps this way, block, block, go to the press. And he smiled. He'll remember that forever, too, Coach. He'll remember he that forever. He smiled, bro. He smiled. <laughs> he smiled. <laughs> it's the greatest thing, right? Josh, I'm, I'm what, what do you got, man? You said me? Yeah, Coach. Oh, man. Uh, to me, like, I had a memory in high school. I was just thinking, I'll sit here thinking while he was talking, like, high school memory, it was defining. I made a dumb mistake, but it made me a better person. But as a coach, I'm thinking what moment. I was thinking football this whole time. My greatest moment is basketball coaching, bro. Let me tell you all this real quick. I'm coaching Little League rec basketball. And I come in and, like, bro, I just – I love coaching kids. So I'm like, look, I don't care who you give me. We're going to make some noise. And they're like, man, whatever. So I draft a girl on my team. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Never played basketball. Goofy goggles. Like, doesn't right. play basketball. Right. Mom and dad just wanted to do something. I draft another girl. They didn't want to play. Nobody else in the whole league is co-ed. I've drafted girls. Forget it. I'm not worried about it. I got my little boys, whatever. Ten you. Let's go to work. The whole season, I practiced. It was kind of hard for her. So, like, we just taught her layups and free throws. Layups and free throws. But we end up going – to the playoffs. We're getting the playoffs. We end up making it to the championship. It's crazy. Nobody ever thought we were going to win. Nobody ever thought it would happen. So, shout out to my coaches and my parents. So, we make it. Bro, we're in the championship game. And I'm like, yo, this girl hasn't scored all season. I don't care if we win or lose this game. She got to drop two in the bucket. She got to drop two. Come on, cuz. Yeah, she got to drop two. Yeah. So I tell my point guard, pass her the ball. I tell her, catch and shoot. Just catch the ball, put it up. They're going to foul you. I promise you. Listen, bro, this is my game plan, bro. It's crazy. I got the video too, bro. I'm going to send it to you guys. I got to see it. I got to see it. it Bro, I went crazy. Look, I'm like, look, they're going to foul you. Take your time at the free throw. This was the coolest moment for me as a coach, and I get goosebumps and like, teary-eyed to think about it because her mom just sent me the video the other day and was like, thank you for, like, giving her an opportunity. She's still, like, playing the game now. Bro, he passes her the ball, and everybody on the team, all the boys were like, she's going to score. The other big girl we had quit halfway through the season. So this was like, look, we're going to get her the ball. We toss her the ball down on the box. She catches. She throws it up. Oh. (laughs) Got to go to the free throw line. Yo, she's at the free throw line. This was the coolest moment, bro. And this is what made it special to me. 
the whole gym got quiet. The other team got quiet. The parents who were talking trash the whole time from the other team got quiet. Doof, doof. It's like a movie, bro. I'm sending y'all the video. Shot it. Rolls the rim, comes out. I'm like, no. It's not happening. She gets one more. She gets one more. Bro, on the video, you hear me? I said, look, aim for the box like we did all season. Doof, doof. Bro, when I say we went crazy, like, it was such a crazy moment. Like, we jumped out the stands. Like, coaches, like, the refs stopped me. Everybody was celebrating. It was a major moment for me because I realized, and as a young coach, we realized your players will only achieve as much as you're willing to coach them up. And for me, it'll always be a moment in my life as a coach where it meant the world to her. Yeah. Her dad works at Publix as a manager. He saw me the other day with my wife and was like, yo, I never told you how impactful and special that was for my family or for me as a dad to watch my daughter score her first bucket when I didn't even want her playing basketball. Mm-hmm. So that that that's just for me to this day, man. It's something that it's I'm gonna send it to the group chat. L- let me ask you, let me ask you this, Josh, man. Did he drop some chicken tenders and some potato wedges in the basket for you? Some extra <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I was like, pop up yeah, some honey mustard. Salad, bro. Yeah, drop all that. Now that you mentioned it, I missed my opportunity. Yeah, I missed my opportunity. No, that, but that's beautiful moments, man. Courtney, what, what's your beautiful moment, man? So uh, this past year, I was a head coach for the Brandon Bears 10U. Uh, so the second round of playoffs, we played the Tampa Jacks. The week before, we had a kid, parent, get killed in a car crash. Mom mm. died on I-4. Huh? Yeah. So um, the kid ended up playing with us that Saturday against the Jazz. Uh, you know, after went through, you know, the tough part of losing his mom's, and on fourth down, uh, he, he was one of our guys rotating in that D tackle. You know, I'm not gonna lie. On fourth and one, the kid makes a tackle in the backfield on fourth and one, forgets to turn over down. So, and we won that game. But winning that game, you know, for us was awesome. But just for that kid who played in the game. A week after his mom just passed, that following that previous Saturday, uh, when that game for him was probably one of the most special moments as a coach, was having an opportunity to, to play for that kid and uh, win that ball game. For coach sure, Corbin, was yeah. that was like number twenty one or something like that, twenty one or twelve, something like that. It was number, uh, I think it was number eight. I think was his number. Oh, his oh. brother, no, his brother was number twelve though. He played for uh, on the eight U team. Yes. Oh, animal! He balled. he balled. Yeah, yeah. His brother, yeah, his little brother played on it. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. And, and Courtney, man, I remember, I remember um, talking to you about that uh, last year. I remember uh, the the Facebook stuff. I remember, you know, what I'm saying, uh, I remember the seeing the joy on you, the coaches, the the players, the parents. How much you guys wanted that game for yeah. that young man. And I'm not right. gonna lie to you, man. You know. Pfft, I was sitting there rooting the shit for you guys as well. I was too, bro. Yeah, because I, I, you know, and if, for me, for me like, to say that, for me to say that as a Tampa Jack, like I'm a coach at the Jags, I, you know, what I'm saying there's just some things that fucking mean more than football, man. It's right. just, you know, what I'm saying, just means more, and yeah. and to see how, the, and, and again, people saw, you know, they saw the hoopla on Facebook, but they didn't see the end of that game in that kid's face, man, right. and how much right. it meant to him, and and God bless him, God bless his family. Man. So I knew, I knew that probably be your your special memory. Yeah. The, the second one is yeah. probably. Beating me in in the in the Raymond no, James but, Stadium. You know, I mean, just, but this this whole year in general was pretty good for me, just because I dealt with so much people leaving me to go play other places. 
for my team previous year, even though I didn't win the whole thing, the fact that I was good enough to make to a Super Bowl without them and kind of beat the guy, the guys who left me, you know, saying to beat oh, them yeah. in the game for the Super Bowl. So that was a coach meant more to me because I didn't have a super talented roster. I really develop and coach and mentor kids this year. You know what I'm saying? More yeah. than I have any other previous year. So to That's have some type of year, to have some type of success doing that was definitely probably the most memorable moment. You know what I mean? Well guys, listen, I, I don't want I don't mean I know I've I've taken an hour and forty five minutes of your time and stuff, man. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate no, you yeah, guys, my, man. My, my wife. I know she probably listen to me, bro. I've seen you look over to your right like twelve times, I'm and we, after the yeah, after the fourth time, I'm like, I know she's probably she's probably like, tell Raul, hang up this thing. I'm like, I tell him to stop. Bro, so you know she don't play. You know she don't play. I around, know she man. don't, man. So listen, and I know Josh got to feed his son, man. So listen, guys, I love every last one of you, man. This is why I want to have a roundtable. I want to do this again, man. Maybe maybe do Definitely. like once a month or something, and just talk about yeah. family, whatever you guys want to talk about. It really doesn't matter. Um, but I love yeah, every last bro. one of y'all, man, and, and I, I really mean that so anytime you guys want to come back one-on-one too man let me know josh i owe you especially man i've been owing you for a minute so josh i'm telling you right now you need to lock in with me we're doing one-on-one man i'm telling you for real hey you need to call me me too and we need to talk about why you ain't coming out this uh next weekend man puerto rico man i'm I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to live it up on jet skis and and living yeah i'm going to puerto rico Oh, well, anyway, I'll take a play sheet. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Hey, uh, <laughs> before y'all, uh, before y'all end out real quick, just to let y'all know, be on the lookout. I'll make sure I will get y'all the info. Um, I run, I do a lot of stuff in the community, but we're doing a J Five Star Brotherhood Conference. All males, boys, eleven and up, um, free to everybody. Um, but it's a great day. It's a conference day. A lot of positive energy. Exactly what we're doing right here, but for all kids and all men. So be on the lookout oh, yeah. for that. Bro, I'll get you the info. Yeah, give me the info so I can start promoting that stuff, man. Please, please. So if you guys need anything, listen, man, I appreciate your time. On the Clock Radio fans, listen, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you for our sponsor, Dr. Squash Soap. I also need uh, you guys to know that you can reach me anywhere you want to on Instagram. You can email me at ontheclock20 at gmail.com. Listen to me, guys. I love every last one of you. Take care of each other. Listen, if you ever talk to somebody in a really, really long time, please reach out to that family member, reach out to that loved one, and talk to them, man, okay? And don't forget, you're on the clock. I'll talk to you guys next week, man.